Chirp Radio's first time is a quarterly live lit and music series recorded at Martyrs in North Center. The theme this round was First Fall. It is with great, great respect and pleasure I welcome everybody. Big round of a hand, Amara Enya. Thank you. Uh, thank you all for being here. I almost feel like a comedian. But I'm really not. I'm going to try this politics thing out for a little bit first. Uh, this has been fantastic. I want to give another round of applause to all of the storytellers. And definitely to the band. I was like, man, y'all good. Y'all really good. I love it. So I, I'm kind of doing this on the fly, which if you get to know me is kind of typical. Um, first fall. So I am one of six kids. I come from a very large family of eight. Uh, family of immigrants. We live in the Chicago area. Uh, my parents were, are, but after six kids, they're a little bit tired. So they were strict disciplinarians. They were very much about doing our chores, waking up early, doing everything that we said we were going to do, et cetera, et cetera. So I fall technically number five in the, in the six kids. I have a twin sister. So if you ever see someone who looks like me and you know me and I don't say anything, or if you see kids around, it's not me. <laughs> she has three kids uh, and I have none. So, um, and even that in and of itself is a little bit of my story. Um, I am probably the, the, the child that gave my parents a little bit of heartburn. Uh, things like running for mayor of the city of Chicago. <laughs> they can kind of do that. Um, but what a lot of people don't know about me is before I became very much entrenched in Chicago and in sort of local politics and policy, I traveled a lot. Um, I can, can recall when I was Going through my mother's thing, she keeps all of our old papers and stories and things from when we were kids. And there was a little story that I wrote or a little thing that I wrote. I was seven or eight years old. And in that thing, I guess they asked you, what is your happiest times and what are your sad times? And I said that my happiest times are when I'm going places. This was at seven years old. Fast forward years later, and there was a period of time in my life where for about 10 years, I was never in the United States for more than two months at a time. This is through, and I, I hope my parents are not gonna see this. Um, <laughs> I almost wanna start recording, but this was through uh, undergrad. It was through grad school. It was through law school. It was through my PhD. Uh, and so what I would do is I would do all my assignments for class, and then I would, I would take these trips. And there was one time when a professor was like, oh, when I came back, he was like, oh, you're still in the class? But I had done all the work. You know, I'm still a good student. So he was like, oh, okay, well, he couldn't do anything. So I spent a lot of time traveling. I have always had uh, just a desire to travel, and not for anything in particular, just to experience the mundane in a different environment. So just to like go to the grocery store in Guatemala. Like that to me is a big deal. It's just something that I yearned for. Or to take a walk in Uzbekistan. I spent time in Tashkent and in Samarkand and at the grave of one of the most fierce world conquerors, 
Tamerlane just because of just random curiosity. So much to my parents' chagrin, a lot of times I didn't tell them where I was going. <laughs> and so it reached sort of a, I think it was the breaking point when I knew I was going to, uh, I knew I was going on a trip and I had not told my parents and I had been visiting them and it was late at night, it was like three in the morning, my flight was leaving at about five in the morning and I knew I said I can't just leave without telling my parents that I'm going on this, that I'm leaving, that I'm going on this trip. So I walk to my parents' room and uh, start whispering to my dad and he like, he's all groggy, so he gets up, he walks out and he says, uh, no, what's going on? I said, uh, hi daddy, because I said I called my dad. I said, uh, I'm leaving now. That's all I said. <laughs> so he looks at me and he's like, um, he's just like, oh, okay, where, where are you going? Uh, Belize. <laughs> he said, okay. And then he walks back into the room and I was standing there like, oh. So I think that was the breaking point. And my trip to Belize, I think was one of the, the episodes that led me to believe that maybe I should slow down on my travel a little bit. So I arrive in Belize. I had been actually traveling in South America at that time. So I stopped in Belize. Then from there, I actually went to Guatemala, went down to uh, Honduras. I spent time in San Pedro Sula, which at the time was like the number one city in the world for murders. Um, I always travel alone, so I was on my own. I, I do speak Spanish, so at least I could get by. Um, so I came back to Belize and I remember being so extraordinarily sleepy. So any of you who've traveled, I travel very light. I don't do a lot of luggage. I don't do a lot of, you know, I don't have a suitcase full of shoes that I'm chugging along with. And I was so incredibly sleepy after this bus ride that I was hallucinating. It's one of those experiences where you just cannot keep your eyes open. So as was normal for me, I had not planned ahead, so I didn't have a fancy hotel. I had done a quick online search, which I do not recommend any of this now in my older and wiser years. I did a quick online search for a place to stay, a hostel, I didn't care what it was. So some address pops up, I said, you know what, I'm arriving in two hours, so let me just book this while I can. We pull up as I'm coming out of my slumber to, it was about a two and a half story kind of like a large house, but it was a building. It looked kind of like a house, but it was, it was pretty sizable, about two and a half, three stories. And as we pull up, I get out of the car. There are two other uh, people with me. They were from Europe. I think they were from the Netherlands. And as we get into the driveway, this old guy comes out. He's, he's probably like 70 years old. He's an older white guy. And he comes out. He's very, very like slim, like skit, like scrawny. He was actually scrawny. And he kind of like ambles out of the house. He's got these, like some kind of Hawaiian shirt on, some cargo shorts and these open-toed like mandals, which are men's sandals if you, know, you get the terminology. <laughs> so I kind of ignore how he looks. He just looks kind of like, okay. So I ignore because I'm so sleepy. I just need to lay down. So I get my bag out of the car. I go upstairs. So she takes the, he, he had, um, he took me up like two flights of stairs in the house. It's a room. I said, fine. 
So I fall asleep. I am awakened in the evening by this yelling. And it's a woman yelling. So I'm jarred out of my sleep. I stumble, look around, and I say, okay, let me go downstairs and check out actually where I'm staying. I don't even know where I'm staying. So I go downstairs and it's an older, it's a woman there too. She, she's also very scrawny. She's really like, she looked, she, I thought she was sick. And I don't know if it was his wife or if it was his girlfriend, but they are yelling at each other at the top of their, at, at the top of their lungs. So I just pretend like nothing's happening. <laughs> I go into the kitchen. Uh, she's, he told me that there was some refreshments or snacks, whatever, in the fridge. And I'm just trying to ignore it. The guy stops, and then they see me. They finally notice me. And then they all of a sudden, they just have this normal, hey, how are you? How was your sleep? <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, it, the way I travel, you learn how to be really cool about some things. So I'm like, oh, you know, it was good. It was good. So we start talking. I don't know too much about their background, but they're expats. So if you've traveled a lot, you know that there are a lot of pockets where expats buy property, they host people, etc. So it's getting late, and I figured I need to actually get some sleep. By this time, it's probably 11, 12 PM. So I go upstairs, up the two flights of stairs. I have my bag. It's half unpacked. And I lay down again. Probably an hour or two later, I'm awakened by screaming again. So I jump up, and I peek. I sort of open the door. Now, I don't know if anyone has seen. It's a movie called No Country for Old Men. <laughs> so unfortunately, I had watched this movie. And it's actually one of my favorite movies, which is weird. But I had seen this movie. And if you can recall the villain or the main character, he has this air gun. And he uses this air gun, and he like, uses it to shoot people. And he's very stoic. It's just it's frightening. So I'm thinking about No Country for Old Men. I don't know why, but as I'm hearing this screaming, I'm thinking about No Country for Old Men. Then all of a sudden, everything goes silent. And I looked, and by that time, I'm standing by the door. And then the screaming starts. I sit down on the bed, because I'm thinking, man, I can't stay here. By this time, it's like 2 in the morning. Suddenly, as I'm contemplating how I'm going to check out two days early than I had planned, I hear this huge thud. It sounded like somebody dropped a safe on the floor, like they just heaved a safe or a boulder or something on the floor. And I hear a last scream, and it's cut short. And it was the woman screaming, I'm assuming. And it just was cut short. And I was like, man, what in the? And I'm sitting on the bed. Then I hear footsteps coming up the stairs. And I'm thinking, OK. How am I going? You know, I've done some jujitsu. I've done, what am I going to use? What do I need to like conjure up to do what I need to do? So I just sit very still, and the footsteps come up the stairs. And then the light in the hallway goes off. Now, the door to my room, is, there's a little bit of a gap under. So you could see like into the hallway. So by this time, I'm, I'm staring at that gap under the, under the door. 
At the same time, I'm looking at my bag, it was half packed, and I'm slowly like putting stuff in my bag, like quietly trying not to, because I'm like, man, if, if this person turns their attention on me, it's over. So I put the last thing in my bag, and then I sit back on the bed, and I'm staring at the door. Now I'm thinking that scene in the movie where like the door handle is turning. I'm like, oh my God. And I'm thinking about my parents. They don't even really know where I am. Like, I'm in Belize, yo. <laughs> and I'm in Belize City, which is kind of hardcore. I see a shadow under the door. It's, it's feet. It's mandals. So we're talking about the first fall, right? So I did the first thing that came to mind. I picked up my bag. I walked back, facing the door, stepped back to the window. I opened the window. I dropped my bag out the window. Meanwhile, I can still see the two feet. I'm waiting for that door to bust open. I see some kind of movement. It could have been a shadow. It could have been, it could have been a mouse. It didn't matter. I jumped, but I really fell out of the window. I was on the third floor. I didn't break any bones. <laughs> like, I fell out of the window. I was supposed to have jumped, but that was the first time that I fell out of a window three stories up at a random house in the middle of Belize City at like three o'clock in the morning. Once I came to, I think I maybe passed out for a couple of minutes, I picked up my bag and I started running. I ran through the streets, I ran downtown to what eventually I came to the bus station. And I slept in the bus station and I took the first bus out of Belize City at like five o'clock in the morning. When I got to Guatemala, which is where I fled, I was like, man, let me, I should call my parents. Nah, let me not. I don't want them to stress out. So I didn't call, I didn't tell anybody. I packed that story away in a long list of travel stories. And when I got back to the United States, a few months later, I was at the gym and I was hearing, it was something like Inside Edition or one of those shows that plays where they talk about like unsolved mysteries or whatever. And I was hearing about some executive who lived in Belize, who apparently had some kind of drug problem or something or other, he had real estate, and there was an unsolved murder of some woman. And I don't know, now I have not confirmed if this was that particular case, because I couldn't bring myself to even verify. I just tucked it away in the back of my mind. That was my first fall. <laughs> Gotta shout out the website, amaraenya.com, for more info and crazy stories.
know this little girl, her name is Maxine Her beauty like a bunch of rules And if I ever tell you about Maxine You will say I don't know what I know But murder she ruled Murder she ruled Murder she ruled Murder she ruled A pretty face and a bad character Them the kind of living can't Oh chaka follow me A pretty face and bad character them the kind of living can Oh chaka say girl you're pretty Your face is pretty but your character dirty Girl you just act too flirty flirty You run to Tom Dick and also Harry And when you find your mistake you talk about your sorry Sorry, sorry, come down Have a crispy corner when she look over she jump She know about the loo crack and everybody man We talk a coolie trinity mean a white man Indian You wickedest kind of girl Mr. Plyer's book upon And now I tell you about the girl her name is Maxine Her beauty like a bunch of rules and if I ever tell you about Maxine You only say I don't know what I know But murder she Murder she Murder she Murder she You pay me no light bill If you test the ragamuffin dog Got one kid killed, got keep wait Cause you're a creepy, creepy And the limits of me talk if you're a DJ Gal come out because you're not shock out Now when you hear the ragamuffin You have to jump and shut out the gator You're not paying me water rate Because great is great, you can't underrate Follow me! Pretty face and bad character Them the kind of living can't hold shock out A pretty face and bad character Them the kind of living can't hold shock out Say girl you're pretty, your face is pretty But your character dirty, girl you just act too flirty, flirty, you run to Tom, Dick, and also Harry. And when you find your mistake, you talk about your sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry. Come Every on. middle of the year, this girl will have abortion. For the coolie white man in the end, I'll seek a nail fun. I just the other day, me see her six months pregnant. But she up and switch a girl with a baby and a crime. But now I tell you about a girl her name is Maxine. Her beauty like a bunch of rules. And if I ever tell you about Maxine, you only say I don't know what I know. But murder she ruled. 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 You can find this and other Chirp Radio interviews and podcasts at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.